Welcome back, everyone. This is the Bless You Boys podcast. BlessYouBoys.com is your home for all things Detroit Tigers baseball and beyond on occasion. I am your host, Brandon Day. I'm a staff writer and editor at Bless You Boys. And with me is my co-host, Ashley McLennan, who is also a staff writer and editor of the Bless You Boys site. How's it going? Good. How are you? Pretty, pretty good. I was going to go into like all your other ventures just to irritate you. And then I decided <laughs> it to... takes too long. We'd be here all day. Just let's, let's just roll with what we got. Yeah, exactly. I'd be all like uh, Daenerys Stormborn's titles that we're just going to list out for you. <laughs> My delightful mother of dragons moniker. Yeah. That would be good. I like that. I should just keep adding things to it. No, if you really want to see the list, you can go to my Twitter profile. Yeah, it wasn't enough to be a writer and to have a real job and then to write for three different team sites, but now you have a YouTube channel. So it's like, yeah, yeah, it's not live yet, but I've recorded my intro episode and my first two episodes. So if you really want to know all about runs and strikes and also what the divisions are, you can really look forward to those in the first two episodes. Oh, that's cool. Well, I am curious to see how you do it. Yeah, because it's going to be all kinds of like the, like the basics at first and stuff. And that, that Yeah, cool. I'm going to try to shake things up. Like I was going to just follow along with the stuff that we'd written about in some of our basic uh, intro to stats articles. So I basically took the beginning of our first intro to stats piece about how to read a box score and kind of picked that apart for YouTube. And then I'm like, oh, let's not get too into it because I'm recording this at one in the morning. What's something I can make a quick, you know, five to ten minute episode out of? And I'm like, divisions. Sure. People will need those explained to them. Um, So I did an episode on, like, you know, the NL versus the AL and when they were established and kind of the differences and, and then which teams are in which division and a little bit of a breakdown of the postseason. Very light. But, oh yeah, just like the addition of like the divisional round and then the wild card. And... Yeah, I talked about a little bit like how the it's broken down into the three sections. You get the DS series and the championship series, and the and I do know the division series is what DS stands for. In case somebody out there is like fake fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the division. Someone is always out there lurking, waiting, waiting yeah. to jump on someone. <laughs> the championship series, and then the uh, the actual World Series. So. And then I did mock it a little bit, saying that it, it's called a World Series, but it's all American teams except for one. <laughs> <laughs> That's because we're number one. <laughs> and the entire time I'm wearing a Toronto Blue Jays shirt, by the way, which nobody will notice, but it's definitely. <laughs> well, I know. And we've had a lot of fun, like, postulating uh, a Nippon League team coming over and swiping up Bryce Harper for, like, $50 million for one season just for fun, you know, just kind of for a barnstorming tour. And would I, I would love that idea. Like a Cecil Fielder year abroad. I just, I would love to see it. Somebody else pointed out that it really wouldn't be fair to have him in one of the Korean or Japanese leagues because they've actually, they're actually a little further ahead um, in their spring training. I guess it's winter training there because they're Southern Hemisphere, right? No. So it's a different season there. No, no, they're all still Northern. Korea, and, Korea and Japan, yeah. Actually, they're pretty much the same latitude as us, I think. Are they really? Oh my god, geography was not my strong suit. Apologies. That's all right. Uh, we actually uh, we missed a geography question in the weekly trivia thing that a bunch of like people I go to work or I work with, we all go out to this bar and and play trivia one night a week, and we missed a geography question. So me and my buddy at work have just been obsessively like restudying all of our geography. So I'm pretty amazing. sharp right now. I'm ready, ready for any geography questions. If anybody has. Uh, uh, I had a bunch of friends come out to my cabin for this weekend because it's a it is actually still a Canadian long weekend in spite of us not having presidents. 
Um, so it's family day so that we all get a February holiday or in the case of Manitoba where I live, it is Louis Riel day, who is a grand Métis champion. Get your Wikipedias out, everyone. <laughs> Louis Riel. Um, but I have friends come out every weekend. We've been doing it for about six years and we played this ridiculous game called things, which is kind of just like you are given a card with a list of words on it and you have to describe the word without using it which I guess is kind of like categories or one of those other ones, but it's just a list and you have to make people guess the words on your card. Oh yeah. For some reason it was uproariously funny. So give people enough alcohol and childish card games and it's good weekend all around. Oh yeah. Was this the the source of the outdoor bonfire that I felt like was mocking us Midwesterners? (laughs) We're like in the middle of winter. All I see is like complaints everywhere from friends. (laughs) Everybody's just whining about the weather. And then I, like up in Winnipeg, you know, meanwhile in Winnipeg and you guys are all like out in the backyard having a fire and standing around outside. Yeah, like, we had a fire going and then we did like a, a six and a half kilometer walk, which I don't know, divide that by 1.6. How does that work? I don't know. Like a four mile walk? Question mark? I don't know. It was good though. We had fun. We went hiking in the woods and we had the dogs out and yeah, it's always a good time. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and the dogs must love nobody it. Nobody got traded up. this time. That's the other thing. Last time we had them out last year, I'm pretty sure it was the same time the Rays executed two very late night, like 9 p.m. Saturday night trades. <laughs> like, yep. I, I don't even remember who it was at this point because I know Dickerson was DFA'd, but like it was two very big players and I was drunk as a skunk in front of a fire <laughs> trying to figure out how to get these stories like posted. And I'm like, why would you do this to me now, Eric Neander? Oh uh, yeah. And they're like trying to write in the most simple language possible just so that I, I'm careful and like, don't say anything I shouldn't. Yeah. Just like coordinating other people to write it who are still sober panicking in my kitchen going why would they do this to me now so i was the whole weekend expecting that of course this would be when bryce and manny moved even though i didn't have to write about it i'm just like history has told me that if i'm having fun with friends somebody's gonna get traded yes this is when it all goes down well you know shout out to uh shout out to lookout landing over there covering the mariners (laughs) Because, yeah, they probably, they probably deal with that constantly with uh, DePoto. Oh, my God. They like, probably got to like, make night. sure that Wait. one editor's always on. Somebody's just wake watching. up in a shock in the middle of the night and just start writing up a trade article, you know, that isn't even they happening. Probably, probably have pre-writes done for every single player on the team. That's a pretty good idea. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a very a good idea. idea now that I've said that. Is like my editor brain's like, wait, why don't we have that? Maybe we should do that. Yeah, like obituaries <laughs> for literally everyone who's ever played for the Tigers. Like, yeah, just just all set to go, all prepped and ready. Yeah. So we have baseball now, but I I don't know about you, but I've been kind of just like easing in slowly this year because I've had a tendency uh, since I started writing about the game to like just go nuts. Like you know, as soon as pitchers and catchers report. I'm cranking out articles left and right and breaking everything down. And like, by the time we get to March, there's like little left to say. So we're trying to just like ease into it. I had a nice chill weekend watching my sister's dog and just staying inside for the most part and goofing around. So we're just kind of like letting it, letting it unfold slowly. Like we we're getting a, a steady influx of guardiasms from him being on the field. <laughs> um, our, our man on the scene, Anthony Fennec is, uh, is killing his, his Did coverage, you... especially via oh, Twitter. Okay. We got to have a Fennec moment here yeah. because I don't usually like call attention to Tigers beat reporters. Like the guys on the scene all the time are MLB.com's Jason Beck, 
uh, Chris McCoskey and Anthony Fennick. They're the guys that have been doing it year after year. And, and Evan Woodbury will give him, and Evan, yes, him live as my well. My bad, yeah. Evan like Woodbury, him. yeah, he's great. He's one of the only guys there that does Spanish as well as English coverage. Yeah, which, which is really weird nice. that no one does it, but yeah, okay. Yeah, it's amazing. He does it and he's really subtle about it. But oh my God, I don't know what happened, but Anthony Fennick went to Tiger's Spring, like, like not spring training camp, but they do like a skills fan camp, a fantasy camp, I guess. Fan- yeah, fantasy camp. And the Tigers have been doing this every year for like decades. And somebody's like, Fennec, go down and write about fantasy camp. And the second he got there, something switched off in this man's brain because all of a sudden his previously occasionally like, you know, dry and informational tweets, which would kind of occasionally sneak in like, a very self-aware one-liner became hilarious. Like he's just very, very self-aware in the the funniest way possible right now. And, and dry, oh my god, like dry, and so as dry, bones and, in the and, desert. But making yeah. fun of his own shtick, which is amazing. And then stuff like Jordan Zimmerman making fun of him, where he's like using Anthony's own lingo against him, which almost killed me. Like, yeah, it's all very meta. Yeah. Yeah, it's so amazing. And then the other thing that's so good, I follow him on Instagram. And in his stories today, he posted a picture of himself next to his BBWAA membership. (laughs) (laughs) And he has shaved his scruff into a mustache. (laughs) And it is so terrible. Oh, Oh, it's amazing. Anyway, Fennec is just a gem right now so if you do not follow anthony fennec on twitter please do it he is just killing the off-season game right now postseason preseason game yeah it's like he just yeah it's still the off-season really but yeah i mean it's just i've had friends go to fantasy camps before one of my best friends and his dad went and did the white Sox one because he's a white Sox fan like i don't know maybe like seven or eight years ago and all that happens is that you're around the coaches you're around all the alumni for the team you know kind of like the you know, Al Kaline's kind of almost too big of an example to be like the level we're talking about, but just kind of like ex players who come around and coach well, like the Joel fantasy Zemaya players. Like Joel one of the guys coaching yeah. the team this year. Yeah, like those guys who kind of come and, you know, they'll tell stories and kind of share some anecdotes. And then the whole thing is that they just give you crap the entire time you're there. Like they just bust you for, you know, everything you do. You're getting mocked relentlessly, they're mocking each other. Um, you know, and I could see how that could really kind of break down some boundaries for, for a beat writer to actually kind of be in that situation now where like all the, the ex players and the players who are around can mock you to some degree. And that kind of like balances the, you know, the forces as opposed to, you know, like, Oh, there's the reporter. So yeah, all in all, just like a pretty, pretty slick move. And yeah, there's just been a lot of funny stuff like where he posted he and Daniel Norris's pictures side by side and was like, Oh, sorry ladies or whatever. It was the you versus the guy. She told you not to worry about me, which was amazing because then Norris retweeted it. It's just like she was never good enough for either of us. Yep. <laughs> yep. And I died. The other thing is, too, he did write a really tremendous post for the Free Press about the fantasy camp experience, which is absolutely worth reading. It's just, like, charming and self-effacing. And, and yes, this is the Anthony Fennec love hour, apparently. Yep. Which but, is very <laughs> rare for us, because in general, yeah. like, it's not that we're opposed to the beat writers, but the beat writers, we, we just have always kind of taken... You know, from from Kurt and Rob, especially in the beginning, like that attitude that like, okay, the beat writers have is to be there 
you know, to not get in too much trouble with the team that the team like kicks him out or something. Get the yeah, facts, get the, get the quote. quote. I mean, and then we, we interpret have... it and analyze everything. You know, like, we have a separate role, so we're not yeah. necessarily aligned with them. But uh, yeah, but yeah, we've we've had some, you know, occasional bouts of animosity with a few of them along the way, but. <laughs> But, I mean, we used to have a beat writer. Like, I mean, when Kat was on staff, we had a beat writer. So it is something we kind of miss having. But um, we're not above certainly calling out quality quality goods on the internet. And it's just been, I hope he keeps it up all season because it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, you've got to have fun with it. You know, like, we all know the Tigers aren't winning anything this year. And, you know, there's not a whole lot of, like really, you know, shining new faces around other than, like, the the prospects, like having Casey Mize and Matt Manning and, you know, Jake Rogers and some of those guys up in camp. Um, yeah. there, there isn't a whole lot else to be like, yeah, you know, so, yeah, it's just good to see him kind of getting loose with it and having fun. That's been cool. Um, yeah, and, and not so much news has come out of camp so far. Um, we've written up a few things, like Casey Mize um, really buying into analytics while he was at Auburn and apparently he spent the off season like, developing a new slider which if you look at the grip is actually a spiked curveball um so and that that really intrigued me that was really interesting because the slider is kind of the one pitch that when they drafted Casey Mize I was like yeah that slider is pretty blunt and unimpressive um the rest of it all looks good but if he's got a you know if he's got a sweet new sweeping slurve ball of some sort that would be a, a pretty interesting development and that's kind of been the the big story is just that the Tigers have finally, you know, they've been working at this for quite a while. And the, you know, the big Caesar database came online last year. And this year, everybody showed up to camp and they've got Edgertronic high-speed cameras behind every pitching station. They've got Rapsodo units measuring spin, spin axis, you know, release point, blah, blah, blah. Um, They're talking about Victor Reyes, like improving his swing by using these balance plates that tell you kind of where your, your weight distribution is throughout your swing, which I've never even heard of anyone using. Um, before but which... i think they use them at like um what's the like draft line drive line drive line baseball uses them to yeah, do all their that makes stuff. Sense. yeah if anybody was going to yeah it'd be drive line it's the kind of thing that um you know and a lot of like the reason i've been on all this stuff early is because i i used to teach golf and like golfers like pro golfers have been using all this stuff for like oh like almost 20 years <laughs> and it's just weird to see it taking kind of so long for for baseball to get to that point. But the Tigers really did unveil a, a lot of upgrades this year on that, that score. So that's kind of been one of the, one of the cool early stories. What, what else has been yeah. going on? We've had Franklin Perez already sidelined with stomach pain, which doesn't sound like any kind of an injury or anything like that. So hopefully no, it's they were not saying a it's big non-muscular, deal. but it, he's been down since Sunday and we're, they sent him for extra testing today. And I know it's unrelated. Like when we posted it, we didn't mention it, but the first thing I think half of us came to mind with was the Leonis Martin deal. Once he went to the Indians, he had that terrible bacterial infection. Yeah. Yeah. That was really so, scary. Well, I'm sure this is, yeah, like he was really, really not not healthy there for a while and very lucky to be able to be back into baseball. So I think a lot of us are just looking at this going, oh, like we know how bad bad can be. So I don't think anybody wants to mess around. Yeah. Like I'm sure it's just a flu or something, but still it's like, ooh, let's hope it's, you know, one and done and he's back on his feet in a couple of days. Yeah, yeah, because uh, I mean, it's just really hard. It's just so vague to just kind of hear like, well, you know. He's he's got stomach pain, um, and and that kind of kind of is could could lead to just about anything, or or just be nothing. Maybe um, maybe he just you know got a bad burger at the Tigers, you know whatever their dining hall at Lakeland. I don't know. Um, he spent the entire off season at Lakeland too, um, from what I read, training and stuff. So 
it's not a case of, you know, like the North-South thing, you know, epi- epidemiologists talk about, you know, like how diseases for, like, you know, if they travel North to South, it's a lot worse than East to West because you're, you know, it's, it's just the way the world works that everything kind of travels East to West as far as the winds go. Um, you know, migration has kind of always proceeded East and West more so than North and South. And so when something kind of jumps those different um, those different climate bands, um, it, it can it can catch somebody, um, but it doesn't seem like it has anything to do with that. It seems like he, he was in Florida the, the whole time, so yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully nothing too major. Uh, he's really, that was a fascinating <laughs> really digression, bit. by the way. Oh, sorry, just thanks. Went into like his enormously nerdy spiel on epidemiology, which was phenomenal. I had like, to cut it off too because I was really warming up to go into no, like okay, this truly, is why the, the grasslands like, that stretch from Manchuria all the way to Hungary no, no, no. And, no. Yeah. Like, please, please trust that. Like, I have a history degree with a minor in anthropology, and like, I'm I'm pretty sure I have a book sitting on my shelf right now that would just geek you out hardcore about. Hold on, I all textbooks. Like the archaeology of disease is sitting oh. on my shelf right now. You oh, betcha. Hell yeah. Human bone manual. They're all sitting next to each other. Oh, this is I, where I, I really like forensic anthropology. Write, yeah, exactly. You write <laughs> mysteries and you know ser- you have serial killer characters here and there. So yeah, I'm all like, oh yeah. <laughs> I guess you have people. to be into that. How people watch my YouTube channel and find the like how to write crime scene book sitting behind me? <laughs> how to analyze there. blood spatter patterns? Please, no, you're you're not kidding. You should see my Amazon wish list is just nothing but like guides to homicide investigation. Yeah, it's like it's a grim business to uh yeah you know and it's interesting too. There have been some crime writers that have really like finally like taken that final step <laughs> and kind of gone crazy themselves and uh yeah and gone too far with some things so it's always funny it's like a it's a weird line to be obsessing about serial killers like i had a really really strong phase for a couple of years when i was a teenager where i was like you know just really like horrified and fascinated and stuff and then uh, at a certain point got really like man why am i reading so much about this i'm real i'm creeping myself out as a religious listener to my favorite murder and an avid reader of true crime, I I have not yet reached the point where I have <laughs> a limit. I will say, as a, a hard-earned lesson, never ever Google the crime scene photography. Oh. Just don't do it. I've oh, I've yeah. seen things that can never be unseen. Yeah, but, same here. And oh. Yeah, oh man, you just brought some really bad, yeah, really bad pictures to mind that I've seen. <laughs> yeah, that's sorry, I, didn't no, mean sorry. To do it. I did it to myself already, so that's the way it goes. Yeah, you know, I just had that thing where, as a writer, you know, you feel like you've got to like, you know, you've got to stare into the dark heart of of the human, you know, condition and spirit and stuff sometimes, and not look away. Um, but yeah, woo, boy, it can get too much. <laughs> yeah, there is some grim stuff out there on the internet. So. Yeah, yeah, humans, uh, humans have a very uh, What's what's the word? They have a very wide projection in terms of their good and bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to, to put it in baseball this, terms, this scatter plot is large. Yeah, yeah. There's a wide range of outcomes. So Ed Gein to you know whatever you got Gandhi or whatever. You know what I just learned the other day, and I'm sorry, this is a wild digression. So I apologize to our listeners. Ed Gein only killed two people. I know he really didn't kill that many He's people. He's not was just actually such a, sick... a serial killer. He just was a creepy weirdo who dug bodies up and made suits out of them but only actually killed two people yeah for the most part he took people that were already dead for his you know and basically he was like the basis for psycho and a couple other serial killers as well um in movies, that was yeah. The other big, yeah 
And I think even like Buffalo Bill and um, Silence of the Lambs to some degree, I think had yeah. had something on them yes. from there. So yeah, yeah, those are the three big ones for sure. This is quite the baseball podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that one of America's most notorious serial killers was not in fact a serial killer? Wait, you quick, need to I kill... want to break down the Catherine Eddowes letter, you know, from Jack the Ripper. Yeah. <laughs> you need to kill three people in order to get the title. By the way, is that it? Here, uh, three, three and up is the distinction to uh, gain that serial killer title. Oh, I didn't know it had oh. to be three. That's an <laughs> three and up. I know. I know way too much. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I was trying to think of a yeah. I was trying to think of a, a baseball way to bring that back. I was thinking of the guy who uh, macheted someone years ago. I uh, can't remember. Can't remember that player. But anyway, it's like being, it's like being an all star once does not necessarily make you a hall of famer. That's right. Like, you know, this is why Blake Snell should not have won. Oh, my God. You got to come back and do it every year like Verlander and be be there for the postseason. Consistency, damn it. Anyway. I'm so sorry, everyone. Yeah, I know. Well, we're, we're into the heart of darkness now. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, so other than those couple things, there really hasn't been a ton of news. Like, you know, we're getting the usual best shape of their life. You know, Victor Reyes has put on... 15 pounds of muscle somehow in the past couple months, which mm, physiologically I'm not sure is actually possible without the, the aid of uh, um, enhancing uh, Any enhancements, yeah. 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 Speaking of which, I love that somebody pointed out that Matt Boyd should perhaps not be like pimping out these like rando health food supplements that he's been taking. Oh, which yeah. Are, Really super untested and probably not the best thing to be like, I'll take these Earth Home supplements for like <laughs> making things great and I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> so. I mean I just have a bad feeling like he was he was out at driveline this off season, like taking dietary advice from Trevor Bauer or something, you know, and like <sighs> he's on the Cato diet, he's got the you know, all these like random nutrient, you know, bars and, and pills and the whole the whole extravaganza. And um as a Canadian, I I don't know for sure if you know this, but in America, like, n- drugs are regulated, but anything else, like vitamins and all that stuff, is completely unregulated. Like, you can make any claim you want to, and as long as it doesn't kill people, you know, within, like, a few days of them taking it, there's almost oh, no law. I mean, it's just a free-for-all. Yeah, so, like, nutritional supplement, like, that whole industry of, like, you know, protein powders and, you know, all the supplements, all that kind of crap is just, is really just, like, just a festering... <laughs> kind of wound <laughs> as far as all this goes. And this is also how so many players end up getting popped for PEDs is because a lot of times the products that are actually effective and not just like complete placebos, well, it's because they have steroids in them. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's always, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So take it easy there, Matt Boyd. He does look good. He does look like he lost some weight. Um, and, you know, he's he's kind of the guy right now. Interestingly enough, he's kind of the ace as far as what we've got. So. Yeah. Speaking of which, who do you think is going to be the opening day pitcher? I, oh boy, that's a good question. I, man. I, I might have to, like I might have to write Boyd. about this now. I think it's still going to be Zimmerman. It probably will be based on seniority, but. Just yeah. because of the Ron Garden higher way of thinking. That's true. Um, that I, true. I think by deservedness, you're probably right. It probably should be Boyd. But I, I suspect that we will see Zimmerman get the nod again. Yeah, you're probably right. And maybe they'll set it up so that Boyd gets the, the home opener or something like that, maybe. Do they open on the road this year? I yeah, yeah they do. 
I think they've got two two series on the road, and then they come home, like April seventh or something. Professional Tigers writer, and I don't actually know when they're. How dare you? Actual, I don't. <laughs> I know. I know who they open spring training against, but like the actual season. Speaking of which, I'm going to be down there. I'm very excited. Oh yeah, that's going to be cool. Yeah, and as far oh, it's as the um, yeah, it's the same as the opening of spring training. Okay, so they open in Canada. That's right. Duh. Yep, coming coming to you first, but indoors at least, so that's not going to get snowed out. Yeah, which makes sense. Like that's, yeah, I think we talked about this, you know, on a podcast last year about the same time as like why, you know, why don't they set it up so that everyone is, you know, in the 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 southwest and the south and in the domes. Like start out as much as possible there for you know a few weeks and just just work the schedule that way. So yeah, that's kind of yeah, cool. Like They'll the- be at the Rogers Center to get get going and then come back to Detroit, you know, a week later or so. That'll be nice. Yeah, against the I was I was not wrong about the Royals. Royals is home opener. That's oh, yeah. why I had it in my head. Yeah, and uh, we did find out today that um, Spencer Turnbull is going to open the Grapefruit League play against um, Southeastern University. Um, they've changed it up um, as far as which college they're playing. So they're gonna they're gonna go against Southeastern University this year. And um, yeah, a lot, it seems like a lot of guys are just gonna get an inning, which is usually kind of how it goes. But it also sounded like maybe Casey Mize and Matt Manning might get an, an inning in that game. So that'd be cool to go to. Um, obviously those guys aren't, nobody's really in full on like regular season form yet, but um, yeah, it'd be cool to kind of see the future uh, all show up there in a line and, and pitch an inning in that game. Yeah. Although I really liked Gardy's statement about Mize today, where he's just like, nobody's surprised he's throwing 95. Calm down. We always knew he could throw heat. <laughs> it's yeah. everything else we're worried about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I got a good chuckle out of that. So yes, it's it, it's a good sign to see that he is still throwing up there in the high velo. But um, I think Emily Walden from The Athletic was saying that his command was a bit shaky. Yeah, that's perfectly natural, though. But I guess yeah, well, like he, after... didn't, he didn't go anywhere after signing last year, so... Um, right? Yeah, no, no, he played, he played, but only like, I think he pitched like parts of four games just to kind of get okay, his feet okay. wet in Lakeland, um, yeah. which is a little different than how they handled Alex Faedo. And considering Alex Faedo came into camp last year, you know, with like four or five miles per hour off of his fastball. I mean, it's not a big deal, but yeah, it's good to see Casey Mize coming in and, you know, be impressive and looking exactly like the Casey Mize they thought they were getting so far. So yeah, that's a good sign. Um, yeah, so am I. Um, you know, I, I like Casey Mize. I wasn't, I wasn't thrilled with that pick because I, I'm just not sure he's really quite like an ace. But, um, but yeah, he seems to be doing everything right, and I think he, he should turn out to be pretty good, and probably won't take very long to be to be at that point. So, if the Tigers okay, were going to contend this year, he'd probably pitch in the majors this year. I'm still bitter they didn't draft Nick Madrigal, but that's just me. Yeah, so. and Nick Madrigal had a pretty good first season and i i was uh yeah one of the, the bandwagon drivers for that one as well so we'll see how that that kind of all works out right now i actually feel like pretty good i feel oh, pretty yeah. good about casey mize but um yeah i like nick madrigal i could see him kind of kind of burgeoning into some kind of a jose altuve type type second baseman uh maybe not quite as good defensively but with the similar like power and smoke and line drives all over the field so we'll, we'll see if that happens i guess we'll uh, we'll get a good look if that does happen yeah, come back in like seven years, and I'll be like, I told you once that Nick Madrigal was going to be so good. And that then Nick Madrigal fellow, I mean, he's so little, and Madrigal is such a fun name to say. It just sounds great in the mouth. <laughs> I know it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> 
So let's just take a quick gander across our front page. Like we kind of we kind of got to most of the things I, I wrote. You know, like one final plea, one desperate plea to the Tigers to circle back on the free agent market because so many guys um, are, are going for you know a third or even less. Oh my god, um, than what one MLB year deals, rumors. yeah, minor projected. league deals. Bring me a catcher, Alavila, please. Uh, Maldonado and Weeders are still out there. It hurts. Yep, there's <laughs> so some interesting. Sad. I know, you know, and it's just. You know, I understand, like, neither of them is really going to change the equation that much. Like, I would have been perfectly happy if they'd gone and signed Manny Machado. We, we knew that wasn't going to happen. But, um, but yeah, you know, like, these guys are going for almost nothing. Some of these guys are getting minor league deals. Um, and as I pointed out, like, the Tigers did kind of come back last year and get Francisco Liriano and then Travis Wood pretty late when we kind of thought they might be done. So now that Manny Machado has signed today, maybe things will shake up and the Tigers will still kind of dip back in there for another player or two because, you know, Alavila's kind of started this pattern where he gets things done, like, pretty early in the offseason and then better players sign for less later and we all, like, look at him like, dude, you know, like, you know, of all the teams, like, the Tigers are the ones who don't need to be in a rush because they're not trying to do anything anyway and yet we're, we've, we've kind of been on the opposite side of the market, like, a couple years in a row now, so... Yeah. I mean, I'm not necessarily mad about the Jordy Mercer signing. I think he's a perfectly reasonable rep, like replacement. Like we were already at the beginning of the offseason on the team's case going, you guys need a shortstop. You guys need a shortstop. And they went out and they probably picked up one of the best ones available that was not, you know, Manny Machado or Jose Iglesias. <laughs> yeah. Like of the available players, I, I think Mercer was probably the third best guy available in the market. So I'm not necessarily mad at them even though i i am fairly certain they could have gotten him cheaper um but man yeah i would just like to see them do you know just a little bit more yeah just just enough to like you know at least know that they're going to be solid at a key position like catcher like you know i know they're not really going to do anything major but i I still would like them to to think about that and i just wonder what marvin gonzalez is is going to get as far as offers right now because it just doesn't seem like anyone in contention really really has the you know, the payroll or the need or the interest, um, which is stupid because Marvin Gonzalez is basically like a three war player who can play anything but center field and catcher um, and maybe pitcher. I don't know. Maybe he could pitch. I don't want to put it past him. Maybe he can. Hey, if Andrew Romine can play all nine positions, I would not put it past Marwin Gonzalez. Yeah, and I just, you know, I think the projection for Marwin Gonzalez was like three years, $36 million from MLB trade rumors to the Twins. And right now, I think he's looking at more like two years, like 12 to 15 million, you know, tops. Um, it's it's kind of hard to see him getting more than that. Uh, Manny Machado, as everyone or may or may not have heard, like came through and got the, the 10-year, $300 million deal from the Padres. And I know immediately, like, the, the people on one side were like, oh, see, free agency is fine. Everybody else was kind of like, nope, you know, we always knew that Manny and Bryce would get their money. That's not the issue. It's the, it's the, the veterans who are kind of like small potatoes who are – getting crushed and Marwin Gonzalez is, is another example of a guy like that who is probably running out of options and um, we'll just see how it goes but if he gets 30 million dollars from somebody I think I'm going to be real surprised at this point well I have to laugh about it, is that Manny Machado ended up getting the exact same deal that the Washington Nationals offered Harper and he turned down <laughs> supposedly allegedly but yeah allegedly yeah. but it's it's to the number like that was 
supposedly exactly what the deal that was offered to Harper was. And now everyone's out there joking that Boraz is probably just waiting for somebody to offer $301 million (laughs) because he'll have been... He'll have one. Yep, exactly. He's he's, he's got to get that. I th- I think that there is some truth to like how that is going to play out. And it was interesting because the Chicago White Sox. All right, we're on to the Manny Machado topic now, so we'll just dive in. But the White Sox apparently offered him two hundred and fifty million, but they didn't want to give any opt outs. Yeah, I think it was two fifty for offered eight. Offered him a five. Oh, was it for eight? I think two fifty for eight was what they what I've heard. And again, with all of the like rumors flying around everywhere, I can't say that that was true or not. But that's what I heard that the White Sox offered was yeah two fifty over eight. And I hadn't heard about the opt out part. I think the opt out with the Padres is after year five. Yeah, yeah. Which is you know which is all right. Like you know that opens up kind of a five year window for the Padres and. They've got Fernando Tatis and Luis Urias and a bunch of other really good, really good position prospects and a lot of pitchers all kind of set to come up in the next year, um, if not this year. So the timing was pretty good for them. And I, I think it's pretty impressive that the Padres are, are going out and, and swinging for the fences. And I think that that only brings their payroll to something like $120 million, somewhere in that Well, that's range. the other thing. So they're still thinking, yeah. Do you think they might go out and get Harper, too? They could. Yeah, they certainly could. I wouldn't if I was them. Like, of the two, I think Manny Machado is more worthy of, like, the huge contract. Um, but I, don't, I just don't know right now. I kind of feel like the Phillies, because of, like, all the big talk, like, all through the early part of the season, and then they go and they, you know, they add a couple little pieces, and then they trade for JT Real Muto, and it's like, okay, you know, now you guys, you know, got to get Machado or Harper to kind of finish this thing off and put yourself in the con- into contention, you know, at least like seriously, like, okay, these guys might be the class of the NL East and, you know, they lost out on Machado and it seems like Harper is the one they wanted. So we'll see, but I, I would, if I was them, I'd kind of feel pretty obliged to make a big ass offer right now because <laughs> their fans, that see. fan base, Phillies fans do not, do not take this kind of thing lying down. And if you promised them, you know, that we were going to spend stupid money this off season, like their owner said, you better do it. So I don't know. Yeah. When you drop a phrase, that's actually stupid money. I think you are kind of required to do. I mean, they haven't done nothing. They but, improved, but yeah, not, not, not that much. Like JT, JT Romuto is probably like an extra two or two or three wins, maybe at the catcher position. Which is, you know, pretty good, and it was well worth making that trade. But well, that, that doesn't they really did like blow anybody Nola away for another four years. Yeah, that's so that's, that's not, not a very team friendly deal. So like ridiculously smart move on their part, and I think you're going to see a bit more of that happening too with teams signing these very friendly extensions. <laughs> Nick. Castellanos. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it you know it kind of works out best for pitchers because the pitchers have so much like to worry about as far as injury, you know, or you know whatever blowing out their elbow at like in the wrong year, like right before they hit free agency and it just tanking them. Um, for position players, I would still just be if I was a position player, I'd still be like, no, nah, I'm not signing an extension. But uh, but yeah, for, the, for a pitcher like Nola, I think that makes pretty good sense for them, and obviously it makes sense for the team. Definitely, if you can do that. I heard a good rumor today that I hope is true. I don't know if I put much stock in it, but because I, I don't think it came from a reliable source, but I want secondary backup on it of the Angels getting real bold and deciding to make a big long-term extension offer to 
Trout because I don't want to see him linger on the free agent market like this. I just want them to extend him and, you know, to live up to their expectation, you know, have a great season with him. And like Otani's got what one more year. What was the deal they signed with Otani? No, I thought Otani like basically had to be like brought in just like a regular prospect. And so they've got, you know, whatever the usual years of team is it control. The same? Okay. I think so, which is insanity. But yeah, I'm pretty sure that that's that's how that went, ended up going down. They had to pay that money to his his um, Japanese team, right, to, right, for the posting fee. But um, I don't think he he ended up getting that much. He just kind of got like the bonus, and that was it. So, which is just hmm. insanity. Like to just walk into yeah. that. Like you have to go for it if you if you're them. You've got Upton, you've got Trout, you've got Andleton Simmons playing great shortstop. They yeah. pick up Zach Cozart. They've made like small positional moves, but they've just got no the like the pitching just continues to let them down. They just keep getting hurt. It's a mess. So I don't know. I you know like I uh, that's a tough call because it would feel weird to have Trout elsewhere, but I also really want the circus. Like that would just be such a circus because whatever <laughs> you think of like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper, Mike Trout is worth like fifty million a year. You know, oh. probably for like a decade. Honestly, Mike um, Trout. He won't very... get that maybe, but without a lot of flash is the best player in baseball. Like he it's doesn't really demand a lot close. of attention, but Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, Mookie Betts, you know, is, is in the ballpark and won the MVP this year, but man, Trout just every year just comes out and just does this. And it, it's, it's insane. So yeah, I don't know. Let me look up. I'm just curious. I'm just looking up Shohei Otani to see what, what he's going to make this year as a part-time DH for the angels. I still think it's, Yeah. Yeah, you know, he's only he's just making league minimum this year and next. Oh. Which, is, which is goofy. Like I'm sure Otani has like a just a shit ton of marketing opportunities um and ad deals and stuff in Japan, so he's probably making plenty of money on the side, but that's just that's that's just not even right that the Angels could just get him for for league minimum. Like what the fuck, man. Yeah, I'm not fair. Oh my god. This, this is like another outcrop of like the the league trying to control the international free agent market and you know and not have to give out these big deals to these guys. Um, the Nippon League is a little bit different just because of the posting fees and the control setup that they have. But um, man, I mean, just like what a coup is that? And it's just weird, you know. Like you'd think they'd be the team that would come out and make a big move for a pitcher, and they haven't really done anything. That's weird. He's still got Dallas Keuchel out there not signing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Well, they've, got a, they've got a pretty good farm system. Um, you know, I, I would assume they don't want to trade Joe Adele, who I think might be the best prospect in baseball or, or very close to it. He's a better prospect than Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, in my eyes, and that'll freak a lot of people out. But Joe Adele's a really good outfielder, too, you know, and, and he's fast. He's going to steal bases. Like, I don't have any doubt Vladimir Guerrero is going to come out and hit like J.D. Martinez, but he's going to field like J.D. Martinez as well and run like J.D. Martinez. So, so yeah, I don't know. They, they've got him coming, and they do have a couple other good players um, in the upper minors. So, I don't know. It just seems like this is a good time for them to sell their prospects, extend extend Mike Trout if you can, and get yourself some damn pitchers. What are you doing? We have this fine Matt Boyd over here. What am I, what am I bid? Can I get Jemai Jones and Brandon Marsh? The two of their top couple prospects something like that i don't know if i was alavila i'd be calling them and i'd be calling the padres <laughs> like you are know, you guys honestly, interested in boyd i'm just saying early in the off season i would have called i would have said to you that the mariners would go for boyd 100 percent, and then the mariners were like what players and yeah. traded or dumped everybody 
Like, everybody. It was a very weird, very DePoto-esque offseason that I just did not see coming. Yeah, they just kind of ran into that wall, you know, with Felix, um, you know, Felix kind of being, looking over the hill, and then Paxson was coming up on free agency, and I guess they just decided they couldn't hold it together anymore. Just hadn't, hadn't made enough happen, but... Yeah, it was a weird. It was weird, and that was that happened so early too. And it was all tied into Brody Van, I don't know Wagonen. I think it's Wagonen, who took over, you know, as GM from the Mets and the Mets, started yeah. making all those moves and stuff. And yeah, that was that was kind of like the hype early in the the off season. Been a lot of trading this off season again. Um, almost more interesting trades than than free agent signings. So at least until today. So yeah, I don't know. It's been a, been another weird off season. I think we've talked about that enough though. Like I honestly like I. I was laughing when I wrote that Tiger should circle back to the free agent market article because I was just like, one more time for the people in the back who were, were blowing the Tigers off this whole offseason. And I'll, I apologize. We're going to do this one more time and then we're done. <laughs> we'll move on. Because you know, there's a lot of people out there just furious. You know, like, they're not going to spend any money. Just stop it. Ah. I don't know. I haven't quite given up hope. I think they might still go and pick somebody up. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I kind of think they will as well, but yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's going to be uh, going to be that big. So, yeah, we're just kind of at that point where we're getting like scintillating tidbits, like oh, Brandon Dixon, you know, crushed uh, Daniel Norris batting practice fastball of the fence, and you know, Miggy took somebody deep. Miggy took the first batting practice uh, of, of you know basically since he went down with that injury, um, the first live batting practice against Matt Boyd, and you know, sounded like Miggy was in his usual spirits and he looks great. Like he does look he, really he, good. He, Looks like he's in good shape. He looks, I mean, I'm not going to best shape of his life, at, but like, he looks really good. He does. And he, and he just looks so like damn happy to be back on the baseball field. Um, you know, Miguel Cabrera is just, just a, just a barrel of fun. So let's just hope he's, he's healthy. You know, we'll, we'll take what we can get on the field from him, but, um, but just having him around for the full season would really, really make me feel better. And it would feel like the Tigers, like, the Tigers didn't even feel like a team that I didn't really even watch that much before last year because there's just no Maggie. There's just, there's no uh, no trademark, no stamp on no. it. So he's definitely like the heart of the team. And as much as we want to complain about that albatross of a contract, it's uh, it's not the Tigers without Miguel Cabrera. Yeah, yeah, and it's not you know. And from the standpoint of like an albatross, like you know flying down out of the sky while you're trying to sail your ship around through all these travails and like, you know, ripping your hair out and dragging you into the water. It's not that bad. <laughs> it's not rhyme with the ancient Mariner albatross, you know, it's not, not that level. So yeah, it's still worth it just to have Miguel Cabrera and, and see him out there. See, this is all Adam Dubbin's fault. Uh, p- people, we, we hired uh, Adam, who some of you may know as H2 Polo Punk. Um, we've been on the site forever. Um, did the Tiger Bites series of of gifts and, and game highlights for us a couple of years ago. And so he's going to be providing a lot of content from, from Lakeland and, um, you know, we'll just see whatever else he, he kind of wants to get into, but that's been a cool hire and, and we all really like Adam. So it was fun to bring him on the team, but he's, oh, he's also been like, a great addition. He's a, he's a very scientific minded person and very erudite. And so like all of a sudden, like the, you know, the, the amount of times I have to like return to the internet dictionary while I'm reading comments on our Slack channel is like gone up exponentially since he got in there. It's like, settle down, dude. He's, he's keeping us vocabulary. on our toes, intelligence-wise. No, it's always good to have, have a bunch of uh, vocabulary that I don't necessarily think of all the time, thrown around constantly. It's been fun, too. So, yeah. Yeah, that's been a good addition. The team is kind of rounding together here pretty well. I feel I feel pretty good. Like, it's been a... 
just in general, it's been kind of a weird transition year at the site just because with Kurt mentioning getting laid off last year and, and Grace leaving with him and Kate Cat left the year before, there's just been a lot of turnover and, and change going on. So it, I, on that front, for me personally, at least, I feel like way better this season. Like we're I going definitely into think it. we've, no we've established vibe. our like core group for sure. And it does feel a lot better to kind of have a, a normal rhythm back again. Yeah. Yep. I feel, uh, feel a little bit looser, which is good. Excellent. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's turn. I'm just trying to think. I'm just racking my brain. Is there any other little tidbit from spring training that we haven't really talked about before we get into listener questions? No, I think we've kind of touched bases on everything. Everyone's there. Um, the Tigers whole- have a bunch of magic new devices everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they're leaning into the analytics thing, which is a really promising sign. Uh, everyone seems super gung ho for the season. Like, if they are not going to contend, don't tell them that. Um, I'm pretty hyped about their hype, which is a very positive sign. Um, oh, Daniel, Daniel Norris, uh, Taekwondo master. I forgot about that part. Yes. I might have mentioned that uh, this Daniel off-season. Norris and Michael Fulmer both shaved. <laughs> oh, so that's true that. too. Michael Fulmer looks really like almost unrecognizable compared, you know, like Daniel Norris shaves were like used to it, but Michael Fulmer, I was like, what the hell? I don't even recognize this dude. It was like when Alex Wilson shaved and I was immediately like, oh God, grow, grow a beard. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> You don't look right, dude. Just doesn't look right that way. So, yeah, but Daniel Norris, apparently this offseason, uh, well, all right, apparently. I knew this because I talked to Daniel Norris quite a bit on Instagram. No, I'll, just, I'll just take that moment to brag and also share um, the artist Gregory Allen Isakoff, who Daniel turned me on to last week, who's um, kind of a folk artist on the lines of like Iron and Wine or oh. Elliot Smith, something like that. If you're, if you're into that sort of thing, this dude is good. Like I got my guitar out and started playing along like within minutes. Cause I was like, Oh shit. This yeah, is really it actually good. sounds super good. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, so you have to check him out. But, um, but Daniel, you know, on top of everything else, and he trained at like um, performance three, which is, kind of the, the place that kind of rebuilt Animal Sanchez after his injuries and kind of got him back um, feeling good. He trained there, and he also started taking, um, like, MMA classes, and basically it was, like, a lot of Taekwondo. It was a lot of, like, Taekwondo kicks to try to work on his, like, hip mobility, yeah. um, glute strength and leg dexterity and all that stuff, which has all been really compromised by the, the constant, like, dealing with this groin issue. Um, and it sounds like he's feeling really good. So, um, you know, f- at least for now, all signs are go. Uh, Michael Former has a brace on his knee that is supposedly there to kind of retrain, like how he drives off of his right knee more so than to support it. Um, I guess he's he's you know feels fine, but it's mainly for that purpose. So you know there there's still kind of those uh, those question marks with those two and with Miguel um, as far as injury goes. And as excited as I am for the season to start, like I kind of just want everybody to get their healthy. So hopefully we'll. Uh, you know what we didn't talk about since you bring up. Hannibal Sanchez is Doug Fister retired. Oh, that's right. The fist. Yeah, that's Mr. true. Mr. Fister retired at 35. Yeah. Yeah. And still like effective to some degree. Um, well, I mean, they were yeah. saying, and like when I wrote it up, apparently they were saying he had gotten offers, which actually isn't surprising because he probably could have gotten a fair number of one year deals. Um, even like a good minor league deal with a call up option. Like I have no doubt that that's true. I have no doubt that a guy, like Doug Fister still got offers, um, but apparently decided he wanted to take the time and spend it with his family while they're still young. So I admire that. Yeah, so do I. That's um, you know, he's had a really good career and has played for some really good teams. And you know, if you if you don't really have like a good chance to play on a World Series, you know, contender, 
then yeah, you know, that just seems like the way to go, you know, take the time with the kids. Um, it's interesting, like, like Doug, Doug Fister, I didn't, wasn't even that familiar with him when we traded for him, and man, I really just have, like, such strong memories of, like, the first, like, five or six Doug Fister starts where everyone was sort of like, oh, shit, this guy's really good. <laughs> I love him. I yeah. was such a fan. Uh, I remember, I remember watching that game where he had the 10 consecutive strikeouts. I was at work. I should not have been watching a baseball <laughs> game. Uh, but 100% remember watching that game. It was super exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Just, um, you know, he just had such a unique style, like pitching, you know, such a tall guy pitching without, like, necessarily a, a great, like, swing and miss pitch. He would just kind of just keep busting that huge tailing two-seamer on people, you know, bring the curveball and the changeup on top of it. And it just seemed like, you know, guys were just baffled, like, you know, when they thought they were on a pitch, they hit it off their hands practically, and and then they just sit there and watch those big curveballs just pour into the zone. Um, it was really fun. That was that was a really good moment. I remember like Doug Fister is kind of like that was like the herald, like oh they've got they've got another arm to go with you know Verlander, yeah. Porcello, and Scherzer and those guys, and here we go. So well, and then of course I also remember him taking that beaner off of the oh, head at yeah. Game Two of the World Series and then staying in the game. Oh man! Holy mercy! What a moment! And the yeah, best part is you guy. you cannot find that video on YouTube that's shareable, just so you know. Oh, really? As I wrote that article and tried to share that moment. You cannot. Oh, oh they've got that hidden. They don't want yeah. that getting Well, there's there nothing anyway. on the official MLB ones, and then anyone who has it posted, it's unshareable. And I'm is like, there like some internet fetishists who are really into like line drives off the head? Oh, no, but <laughs> it being the internet, I would not be yeah. surprised if that's a thing. Yeah, probably. Rule 34. You guys 34. Earlier. We did talk about that at work earlier today, didn't we? Oh, no. Don't look that up if you don't know what it is. No, you don't want to know. Don't listen to Ashley and Brandon. We're terrible people. We're, I mean, you know, young we're talking innocent. about serial killers and the <laughs> and internet porn. So, I mean, <laughs> the more you know, kids. <laughs> Jesus. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, Doug Fester, just a super cool dude. Um, you know, the other play I remember him being on, just on the field for was that crazy grounder that uh, Iglesias dove for and threw, like, as he was crashing into the ground, like, scooped it and threw all in one motion. Kind of oh, the legendary man. Iggy play. That was a uh, broken bat Doug Fister special. And, you know, Doug Fister proved to me, like, a point, which is that you can sometimes be too good. Like, you can get too weak a contact, and it's really hard to make plays on that <laughs> on that kind of thing. Because he would just get, like, these sawed-off, like, weird choppers and swinging bunts where dudes just broke their bat. Like, parts of it flew everywhere. Like, the fielders were kind of disoriented for a second, and dudes would just scamper to first. It seems like I saw that a lot with Doug Fister on the mound. He was, he was, a, he was a unique cat. He was uh, kind of his own guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's, it's the Fisher. end of an era there. I thought Sanchez would be the first to go. Yeah, and um, Sanchez is trying to follow in the the footsteps of you know JD Martinez and Rick Porcello and damn it Justin Verlander and all the people who've left the Tigers and gone to win a World Series somewhere else, <laughs> which is super frustrating. Damn it, Justin Wilson, Alex Avila got a ring with the Cubs. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I'm happy for him, but. Damn it, that sucks. Okay, let's move on and do some listener questions real quick and see what you guys all have to ask about. Um, Peter Lindau wants on Facebook wants to know what Tigers prospects will make their major league debuts this season. Um, well, you've seen a lot of the guys that you're going to see a lot of. Um, you know, we saw Kristen Stewart to some degree last year. Obviously, Grayson Griner wasn't really like 
regarded as a as a real prospect, but um, has made his way to the starting catching role apparently. So, <laughs> so good for you. Yeah. And, on uh, that note, I do think we're going to see Rogers at. I um, think we point. might see Rogers. I I think so too. We were arguing about this on the site because everybody keeps going like, oh, well, game is service time, and you know you don't want to call him up any sooner than you have to, but. The, the big value of Jake Rogers is his defense and that's wasted in the minor leagues and um, catchers don't, their knees don't hold up forever. Their defense doesn't hold up forever. So oh, I can understand like giving Rogers some time to, to work on the bat and try to level out his swing and, and work on some of those issues. But yeah, I, I would like to see him this year. Um, if they have anybody go down and need a backup, I'd prefer they just call Jake Rogers up and start getting him some experience. He might as well right like if you're not truly making a run for it and I'm not saying that they're not going to try to win games that's not my point here I say that they're not really in in contention level why not bring up guys to get reps against minor league player major league like pitchers and to like see the level of play that they're expecting them to be at in the next year I think it's a good call yeah, especially for guys who maybe like are are used to being kind of the man. Like Jake Rogers, kind of feels like he's been a guy who all along was like this prized catching prospect, and you know expected to do well. Um, you know, sometimes it's good for those guys to come up and and kind of get a little kick in the ass before they mm-hmm. go back down and like, okay, I've got to make you know a little bit more of a stride here before I get there. Well, and, you see, um, Isaac Prades, Isaac Prades might be a similar case where he's already kind of hit the hell out of Erie. And if he starts out at Erie again and is hitting and they bring him to Toledo and he's just wrecking shop, like, um, I'm not a big fan, you know, we, none of us really like the gaming, the service time thing. I understand it. And if you need to do it, okay, everybody else is doing it. I'm not going to lose my mind. But, you know, I, I don't believe in, like, installing players um, at their level. I don't think it's good for their development. Like, I think you, you keep challenging them. Um, as long as you can, I'd love to see Isaac Prades make it up by the end of the year and get to work with like Miguel Cabrera and, you know, and kind of, kind of be in that environment and hopefully go take, take that into the off season and work on whatever he's got to work, um, to work on. So yeah, we might see him in September. I, I don't think that's unrealistic. There's a whole host of other guys too. Um, like the, the real, the guys to really watch out for are the pitchers. Cause you're going to, you already saw Spencer Turnbull. You're going to see a bunch of Spencer Turnbull probably this year. You might see Cal Funkhauser and Bo Burrows. Um, you'll see some of the relief prospects like Zach Houston. Um, you might see Brian Garcia, who is my favorite relief prospect that we've got, who had Tommy John last year and should be coming back sometime um, this summer. So th- there's some guys like that. Matt Hall. Um, you might even see John Schreiber, who was, was really good at Erie and throws from kind of like a, like a it's like a, like a high sidearm. <laughs> Which, which not so many guys do, but he's an interesting pitcher. Yeah, he's a really interesting pitcher to watch and um, a fun guy. Um, Keenan has talked to him a few times, and um, I follow him on Twitter, and he, he's usually got something funny to say. So, yeah, he's he could be interesting. So, yeah, there's some of those guys. Maybe you'll see Daz Cameron late in the year. Um, you might even see Willie Castro along the way if the Tigers need a middle infielder um, to kind of fill in for an injury or, or whatever it is. Uh, Willie Castro and Dawa Lugo both. Um, we'll probably at least get some kind of an opportunity, I would imagine, this this year. Um, but yeah, it's probably more of an injury fill-in kind of a thing than mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. I don't think you're going to see Casey Mize. I think the Tigers really just do not want to do that. I think they would really like to, to hold Casey Mize back and not start his service time clock and give him a whole year to kind of settle into the routine and stuff. No, I would agree. I think, it, I think you'd be, I'd be shocked 
to see yeah, him this I year. Yeah, I would be really shocked too, honestly. It'd be fun. It'd be neat to see him in September. Um, and, you know, and people have kind of asked, like, oh, what the hell is there to look forward to this year? It's just like last year. But the difference is that there are, you know, younger players that you're going to see a lot more of this year. And some of the guys like Nico Goodrum, Kristen Stewart, um, you know, some of those guys that we've seen a little bit of, Joe Jimenez, are, you know, have some experience now. And you're going to see him kind of have a full season to hopefully take a step forward. And some of those guys will be fun. Jamer Candelario, um, all for that reason. So, there's, there's more to watch. Like we're a little bit closer to like seeing a bit of the future at this in this season yeah, than we yeah. were last year. I think you're more likely to see glimmers of hope, for sure, more so than like just scraping the bottom. Yeah, and you know, people just need to give these guys time. Like you know, we, we've talked about this a lot with Norris and and Fulmer. Um, you know, people are giving up on those guys way too quick, uh, you know, and they're 25 right now, which is going to turn 26 this year. It, it just takes time, especially for pitching prospects, which is another reason why the rebuild, unfortunately, is if the Tigers can't, don't, you know, try to do it now or try to do something soon in the next year or so, probably will take a little bit longer than, than people even expected, even if things go well. So, you know, patience is... is Hard, hard, hard to come by after we've already had like a bunch of bad seasons in a row, but we're probably not going to have much choice in the matter. I'm afraid. Alas. Yeah. All right. And tying into that, Brian Cowell kind of wants to know who will be the final five guys to make the rotation, say like in 2020, 2021, when we're finally kind of turning things around. And that's just a really hard question just because I assume that the Tigers are going to trade at least one, if not more of Fulmer, Norris and Boyd. Um, so it's really, you know, like the guys who pitch best, best out of that group who you think like, oh, well, these guys might be the ones to rebuild around. No, those will be the guys that get traded away. (laughs) I I don't think there's any real, I don't know how many guys are actually going to end up being untouchable when you go into an actual contention season for trades ahead of that. So I think Mize will be there. (laughs) That's about the Manning. Manning. Yeah. Yep, I'll say Mize and Manning. I think those might be your only truly untouchable prospects. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. Yeah, whoever's left of Fulmer, Norris, and Boyd, like, okay, maybe there's one of those guys, but um, Zimmerman will be gone after 2020, and then, yeah, Mize, Manning, and, you know, maybe Burroughs or Turnbull. Um, I tend to think those guys end up um, as relievers, maybe Franklin Perez, but, um, yeah, we'll just kind of have to see how some of those things play out. Uh, Jerry Brockenma, aside from Kristen Stewart, who will be the rookie of the year running this year. Ooh, rookie of the year on the Tigers. Oh God, I have to make any lists. I feel like, honestly, I kind of feel like Kristen Stewart is is just the man. I feel like (laughs) he's a lot more likely to take it because we, we, there was a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty last year as to whether or not he'd even make the cut and make any time up in the majors. So I think with him seeing regular playing time, yes, I would agree with you. Yeah. I mean, I just don't see anybody else. You, know, I, you Like we said, you know, you'll see a lot of prospects this year. You will start seeing some of the, the guys come up, not the best of the bunch necessarily, but some of them. But they're not going to be here the full season. They're just going to kind of be, you know, feeding in here and there as injury replacements, September call-ups, that sort of thing. So, yeah, I, I, I would have to say Kristen Stewart is, is probably going to break. I, I feel really good about Kristen Stewart as the hitter. As a left fielder, I don't feel that good about it, but, um, <laughs> but that's all right. That, that's okay. We'll take what we can get for the time being. Um, he should be fun to watch hit. 
And this is another reason why I keep bringing up Marwin Gonzalez, because I just have it in my mind. Like, okay, Jamer Candelario, Marwin Gonzalez, two guys who can take a walk, both switch hitters. You lead off with them. Then you go, whatever, Miggy, Castellanos, Kristen Stewart, in some order. That's not bad. That's a that's a pretty solid front five. Yeah, um, man, I'm I, not I, mad I would like at, to it. See that. at it. Yep. I guess, you know, we'll put Nico in there for Marwin, since they're probably not going to do that. And, you know, it might not be that bad. We'll see how it goes. Um, is there one more? When is a real, uh, man, everybody, everybody's impatient. When is a realistic off season for the Tigers to be buyers and who could be the potential players they target that off season? Uh, I don't even want to, I don't even want to like, I don't know. I know it's, it's just wild speculation. Um, you know, I just, I don't know when the Tigers are going to spend and I don't know kind of what the criteria they have in mind, assuming they even have a plan, which I honestly, I'm not just being a smartass here. I'm not really sure that the Tigers have that kind of a plan um, the way a lot of other teams who've rebuilt have. It, it really feels like they're kind of just throwing things at the wall and seeing what sticks, waiting to see kind of how their guys develop. Um, so it's just really hard to plan. Like, you could look at, I think, 2021 is when Trout and Mookie Betts are both supposed to hit free agency. Um, next year, Nolan Arenado, I know, will hit free agency. I don't think so. Well, maybe not. They might, I, they, I they might wrap him up. Would be shocked if there's not an extension with the Rockies before he hits free agency. Yeah, I think it would be pretty foolish if they didn't. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that's and that again goes back to the you know if people want to be mad at us for for writing about Manny Machado, there's there's a reason for that, which is that you just don't ever get 26 year old all star free agents. Um, they they don't ever come along like you you know i can't remember the last one maybe there was one a couple years ago and i'm flaking on their name but um but it just doesn't happen because teams lock those guys up or those star players don't reach free agency until they're 29 30 years old at which point you don't really want to give them more than four or five years um it's just a really rare opportunity manny machado in particular is that a you know could play shortstop for us for four years and that's a position that we really don't have much in the minor leagues um, so it's yeah, like, you, you got know, Will, what, Willie, Willie Castro on the yeah. up, and that's about it. Yeah, I think you know Wenzel Perez has a lot of intrigue, but he's only going to be 19 this year, so he's still at least two or three years away. So, yeah, that's kind of the that's kind of the reason we keep harping about you know th- don't buy into this rebuild crap <laughs> because there's no such thing as like timing out a rebuild on your own terms. Um, the league goes on, and the Tigers have just whiffed on probably the best opportunity they'll have um, before whatever kind of rebuild you're envisioning. They've, they've whiffed on that chance to, to add that player. So, and I wouldn't really bother with Bryce Harper just because corner outfielder as good as he is and, and as big of a star as he is. It's not a need the Tigers have as much as they did an infielder. Yeah. Yeah. You could do a lot of marketing with Bryce Harper. I'm sure he brings a lot of value beyond even what he does on the field, but, um, but yeah, we, we just, you know, finding a right fielder won't, won't be the thing that keeps the Tigers from, from winning a World Series in 2020, whatever, 2024. 2020, yeah, 2020. <laughs> I know, that's so far away. <sighs> Honestly, like, 2019, like, feels like, wow, wasn't I going to be dead? Yeah, but I think, but I think when we... Like, when I thought of when I was a kid, I was like, <laughs> man, 2020 We initially went so into this rebuild, away. I'm like, it's cool, guys. They'll be competing by 2020. <laughs> I'm like, I'm 900 years old now. Oh, and I'm so sad about everything. <sighs> They've worn me down, Brandon. This, this 
off season may have aged me like 45 years. <laughs> so I know. Really it's just so damn tiresome. Uh, and I know it's tiresome, uh, you know, like for, for everyone involved, it's tiresome for fans to hear us bitch and have that be like the, the focus. But when there isn't that much news, the, the, the lack of news becomes the news. Um, that's kind of just a truism. And unfortunately we've seen it play out the past two years and, yeah, the Tigers don't really seem poised to do a whole lot next year if they weren't going to do it this year. So I don't know. I don't know. At least it'll be interesting seeing the prospects come up. But um, that's a really hard road to go. And, you know, for anybody thinking we could just build, you know, we should just wait and build the team from within and blah, blah, blah. The San Diego Padres have literally twice the farm system we have at minimum. And they went out and signed Eric Hosmer last year, which was stupid, by the way. But anyway, but then they went out and they made another big move this year um, and a pretty smart one, I think. And it, it just goes to show that, you know, one way or the other, signing free agents has to be a part of your rebuild plan um, and probably a, a big time free agent. So yep. Yep. I don't know. We'll see what happens down the road. But, but that's um, the thing. It was, I think Mike, drag to have to keep talking about. Mike Petriello of Stackhouse pointed it out that it's usually these underdog, not necessarily small market, but losing teams that sign these big guys. And lo and behold, after they sign them, they typically get better. Funny how that works. It's amazing the correlation there. I know. I, you know, I don't even bother making this argument on the site anymore because the people who are all in and have really bought into the whole rebuild, like, oh, you know, don't spend any money. But that's Sport. what kills me is if you're buying a 10-year contract with a guy like Manny Machado or Bryce Harper, yeah, okay, you're only buying maybe the next five years where they're actually really good. But that's the five-year window where you're pushing yourself back towards contention. So why... Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you look at like Manny, what Manny Machado is worth on a yearly basis right now, it's, you know, it's more like 40, 45 million. Yeah. And that's and why then, you give him a 10 year deal and you bring it down years, to 30 million a year. Worth and, 11 or something, but it's, it is what it is. Right. So. Exactly. So yeah, you know, th that part of it is just frustrating. And, you know, if if people just don't want to go that route or they they really kind of buying into what the Tigers are selling, you know, I can understand that. It, it sucks to have to kind of think about your team as, as being owned by a cheapskate who's not really trying that hard to win and is sort of like, okay, just kind of flaking along. But there is something to the idea that, well, there is something to the idea that you shouldn't let your team, you know, fall to complete ruin for very long. Like the Astros are one example and the Astros are run by probably the smartest group of people in baseball right now, um, based on everything we've seen. Uh, it's it's just not that easy to do that. When when your team is terrible, you devalue everyone around you. It's demoralizing to the team. It's demoralizing to the fans. You don't necessarily get the best out of everyone. Mm -hmm. And we've seen innumerable teams kind of do this, oh, we're going to be bad for a while, but we'll we'll get it back. And they just never do. You know, things don't go their way. You know, they then things do kind of start to turn their way and they're premature and spending too much money on the wrong guy like Chris Davis or God knows what. There's just so many ways it can go wrong. So, um, yeah, I just I just really don't like the idea of completely tanking it. I, I want the Tigers to at least try to put together kind of a razy, cheap, you know, heavily value-centric team where, you know, they try some things and experiment a little bit. And um, we just don't have really the... We just don't have the personnel in the front office necessarily that are they're going to do that kind of thing. So we're just we're going our own route here, and it's it's all kind of seems like it's going to depend on the health of our pitching prospects, which is terrifying a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I would.
be a turn of the tide if they started looking to draft guys that were not necessarily hard throwing right handed pitchers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is time to move on from that. Like if, if like we've said this before, but if there's anything you know that you want to pray for for the Tigers this year, it's pray that they find a kick ass college bat at five in the draft. That's job number one. Job number two is that they can turn one of their starters and hopefully one of the, you know, maybe another player, maybe even Joe Jimenez, if it needs to go that route to find an absolutely elite positional prospect. They, they need those two things. They need two kick-ass position player prospects who are close to the major leagues. Because yep. if those guys are 18, by the time they get here, you're already going to be turning over Candelario. You're going to be turning over, you know, Jimenez, maybe Kristen Stewart, like all the pitchers, Fulmer, Boyd, Norris, all those guys are going to be moving on. You don't get forever to do this. So, yeah, really, really hope for those those things to come true. Um, oh, okay, Robert James. I like this. Robert James is uh, is the angry man on Twitter, and I love him because he has really good taste in books. But uh, he's very frustrated. <laughs> At what point does it make more sense to boycott the team than to support what is looking more and more like a bad faith effort to save a billionaire a few extra bucks? <laughs> bold, bold, bold I don't know, you know, like, you know, boycotts, boycotts are a weird thing. You know, I remember conservatives in America freaking out about Starbucks, you know, non-Christmassy The red Christmas cups of We're going to boycott no. Starbucks. And then about a week ago, Howard Schultz, their CEO, decides he wants to run as kind of a middle of the road moderate. And all the liberals are like, oh, Jesus, screw this guy. We're, boy- we're boycotting Starbucks. Um, you know, somewhere people aren't boycotting Starbucks because they seem to be just absolutely hauling in the dollars. So I think a lot of people are lying on both sides. And I don't really know what boycotting necessarily, you know, there's just no point. Like, it would take a couple more years before I was like, oh, just screw this entirely. I'm going to go pick another team to root for temporarily. I'm just not that guy. I've been a Detroit. I mean, I was a Lions fan for a long time until I finally wised up in like 2001 while the rest of you saps are still out there suffering. So I have a philosophy (laughs) about baseball fandom. And I think you can fall into one of two camps where you either love a team, regardless of who's on it, who's running it, and how well they're doing, or you choose to pick teams based on how well you think they're going to do. And I think both are absolutely fair approaches. I don't think there is any wrong way to be a baseball fan. But I think if you're a die, if you if you consider yourself a diehard Tigers fan. I consider myself a diehard Tigers fan, even though I also write about and care about the Rays. I started out with the Tigers. I love the Tigers. Whether or not I agree with their current front office, whether or not I have any opinion about their current ownership, which I do not. I had warm fuzzies about Mike Illich. I don't have any opinions whatsoever on Chris. I don't think that he's been around long enough for me to really have any. Um and Mike, I think, was a f- Mike. What was great about Mike Illich is that you knew he was a fan, not only of the team, but of baseball in general. And you knew he wanted to win. And I, I think that that made it a lot easier for teams to like, for fans to like really be like in on his own hype. And I, I think you're welcome to say, I'm done with the Tigers because I don't feel like they're trying. But I don't know that that's fair. I think that we are in a position right now where it's hard to like a team that isn't winning. But we were just having this discussion today in the Slack channel about how, do you remember not only like not even, not even eight years ago, the Texas Rangers and the Detroit Tigers were in the ALCS together. 
together. And look like they those were set teams up to be juggernauts for years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the, those teams were fantastic. And in that same time period, the Houston Astros were a laughing stock of a team. So I think we have to understand that like all things, there is a time to win and a time to lose and no baseball team is always going to be great. And yeah, even the, Tigers, the Yankees Tigers, have had some bad, some absolutely. bad stretches. Red Sox. And, and I think the Red Sox had an, an incredibly impressively bad stretch that I think we forget about now because they've had so many wins, but they didn't win for 80 years. And <laughs> I mean, I hope that it doesn't take us that long, but there will be Tigers championships in our future. And the team will probably not resemble the one that we have right now at all. But I mean, the Tigers made it through 2003. We can make it through 2019 and 2020, 20. And if you as a fan don't think you can weather a bad season, there are lots of other great teams that you can pick up a cap for and root for and still love baseball. Or you can just decide to weather the storm and love the Tigers because they're the Tigers. Yeah, and I yeah, that's well said. And I you know, and I think there I mean there are certainly people who just will never root for another team. I mean, I'm kind of that way. Maybe it's just the era I grew up in like you don't really, you know, pick more than one team, you know, and this is where I grew up. So it it's all, you know, everybody grew up wearing the old English D everywhere we went. Like it's it's just kind of ingrained. I um I would never really pick another team. Um you know, I kind of rode the Astros train the past two years a little bit because Verlander is there. And um, that was really fun in 2017, especially, but you know, I'm just not, no matter who else I would root for, it would never, no matter what I did, it would never feel the way it will feel for the Tigers to win a world series. Um, If I, there's just, you know, to a certain degree, even if I tried to jump onto another bandwagon, my heart would never be a hundred percent in it. It just wouldn't. So, you know, for, for people like us, for people like you, Robert, you know, boycotting just doesn't do a lot of good. You know, I would just say, as always, like baseball is supposed to be fun. So have fun. Um, if it's not fun for you to go to games because you're going to be furious <laughs> that they haven't spent money like this whole year, even when you know we're past the point where anyone spends money and you just kind of have to accept what you've got, you know, then, yeah, you know, maybe just take a, a year or two away, you know, develop another hobby, you know, take up yoga. Watch the um, minor league teams. Yeah. What an idea. Like if you get MLB, MILB TV. Well, the problem is Robert already does this, but yes, this is good advice. Then this (laughs) is advice for others. But I mean, if, if the big team is very disheartening to you, watch the future guys. Yep. Yep. Exactly. That's, that's the thing you do. And you know, we're already at a point where like the Tigers drafts are, you know, I mean, the baseball draft is not that important compared to the football draft as far as like, Oh, this guy's got the number one pick and this team's, you know, second and third. It doesn't matter as much as that, but you know, it is, it is somewhat more important or at least interesting. So if you want to watch college baseball, start, you know, start prepping for the draft, that kind of thing. I know our boy, Jacob Markle, that's probably completely what he's obsessed with already. Cause college, college baseball, division one baseball is getting underway. Um, so there's other, you know, there's other forms of baseball to enjoy. And if the Tigers are really making you just hate your life, then, First of all, like you should probably just back away a little bit in general. <laughs> but second of all, like you know, I'm not going to go. I, it's already happened, you know. Like I went to Comerica Park ten times, I think, in 2016, 
2017, after the sell-off, I went one more time that year, but it was more like six. Last year, I only went to five games. And five games is probably about what's going to happen this year. Um, you know, I'll go to Toledo for a few. I'll probably try to make a weekend trip to Erie at some point. And I go out to West Michigan already a decent amount anyway. So I'll go see some games there. But, you know, you just kind of like, you just kind of work it. Like, it, this isn't going to be the year I go crazy and buy expensive seats. Um, you know, at Comerica Park and go, you know, go crazy and buy a foam finger and all this bullshit. Like, this is, this isn't the year for that. This is the year for like, just lay back in the cut, you know, but show up late, get some Enjoy beer. tickets outside. Yeah. I mean, the other a- thing I would suggest is if you're not feeling the Tigers this season, um, the athletic, I don't know if he's doing it for the athletic for, for baseball pro, pro, but Sungmin Kim, um, is a fantastic baseball writer who is really focusing on the Korean baseball league right now and doing regular posts about it. I think for the athletic, um, very much worth, uh, investing in athletic membership just to kind of follow him. He does whole things on how to watch Korean games, follows the whole Korean like circuit. Um, he's a regular Yankees writer as well. So that's kind of interesting, but, um, he really covers it all. And he was a fan. And Graf's resident writer, really tremendous stuff. So I, th- I would say if the regular baseball season is getting you down, maybe follow him and maybe find some foreign leagues to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, you know, more and more Americans are starting to, like, lean over into soccer or football. And, like, that that sort of, to call it, like, exotic or, or like, oh, the pageantry of, of other leagues can come across like very xenophobic. So I don't, I don't mean to do so, but it is just really interesting to see the game you love in a different setting with like a different way, kind of a being a fan players have a different way of expressing themselves. They play the game a little bit different. Um, it could be really fascinating. Um, you know, we all just kind of went crazy a couple of years ago with the world baseball classic. Cause mm-hmm. it was just such a ludicrous breath of fresh air um, to see everybody kind of like playing for their country and sort of in the spirit that the game has played in their country to some degree. And that, that was super fun. So, okay. So I clarified it. I checked his Twitter. It's for baseball pro. So, uh, B pro I think is actually free. Am I making no, this? No, you have to pay for it. No, never remember baseball America. Baseball pro is, as it costly, but, uh, baseball pro prospectus did actually go. Um, they're the ones who unionized and took over their own, thing aren't they so that's pretty cool i mean support poor b pro and the uh, b pro annual just came out this week yes and the B-Pro Nick, annual. Nick Offerman wrote one of the essays <laughs> this year which is For amazing the cubs. the cubs one yeah 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 uh, and, cool. uh, fan graphs regular writer that we are both a fan of cheryl ring has an essay in there this year um so that's pretty bad yeah, and you know, there's a bunch of writers there I like, and um, you know, guys like Harry Pavlidis who've been there, and Jeffrey Paternostro, like some of the the old school guys who've been there a long time have always been really good. And our boy Jacob Markle writes for them um, and, and does some coverage of the Midwest League as well. So he's got his his little toe in their their waters over there. So yeah, we're yep. we're fans yep. of B Pro. Um, I wish it was a tiny bit cheaper, but <laughs> I did subscribe this year in solidarity to their uh, their takeover. <laughs> From their corporate yeah, masters. I might, actually, I might have to. There's a lot of great writing over it. Baseball Prospectus. There's just also a lot of, for my taste, like overwrought writing. <laughs> like there's a few too many like failed English majors who probably wanted to win a Nobel Prize in something else. <laughs> and so they're trying to find a way to just mention baseball in some of these articles and write about what they wanted to write about. 
and some of that can be great too because i mean there's a lot of talented writers over there um even the ones i'm making fun of a little bit so you know it's been cool it's been cool having that subscription a lot of the um statistical analysis that baseball prospectus does has been cutting edge all along like a lot of the stuff you hear us talk about as far as sabermetrics goes um a lot of that stuff was pioneered by b pro people <laughs> so and a lot of them work for mlb teams now as well so that's a good place to go if you're um if you're kind of looking for some of the cutting edge coverage um you know you, you have b pro and fan graphs together you're in real good shape so that, that concludes that infomercial um based on robert <laughs> james question about whether or not he should boycott the tigers that'll teach you to ask me that question ever again also get paid for our patreon i don't know <laughs> If yeah, that's true. If we're saying give money to people, maybe give some to us. Yeah, you really should just go to <laughs> patreon.com backslash bless you boys and just throw a couple bucks our way a month. Um, that would that would really help us this this whole season long. It really <laughs> kind of gives us a little invigorating content. Exactly, it gives you a little bit. So you can hear us talk a little bit of fuel. <laughs> we need yeah, baseball right. back very badly, you guys. We do. I, I would like to see some games, and I would also like to see Casey Mize's new. Uh, I'm going to call it curveball, but he calls it slider. So we'll see. Tomato, tomato, etc. But um, yeah, we probably do need baseball to get back, but you can't get this content anywhere. You don't get serial killers and like the history of migration patterns, you know, according to la- latitude versus uh, longitude. Epidemiology and, and yeah, exactly. you know, the goods. Can't just stagger out on the street corner and ask for this kind of content. We're highly so, educated yes. people. You guys are That's lucky. Right. You're so lucky to have us every week. Mm. <laughs> my nose is very high right now yes i'm very erudite and quite a reader as well mm, you're so smart we use big words <laughs> we're so good at our jobs <laughs> and we're unpaid baseball writers essentially <laughs> semi-pro yeah sem- we're like, semi-pro. Uh, you know yeah. we're like the independent leagues of, of baseball writing is how i like to think yeah. about it we're, we're playing for um we're the american oh, association uh, yeah, what's that team the, that... Uh, that's the Winnipeg oh, Gold Eyes. Oh, yeah. Winnipeg Gold Eyes are an American Association team. So, yeah, we're, we're like the American Association of Professional Baseball. Right? Exactly. Think of, think of us that way. Not like we the BBWAA, but we are the IBWAA. Right. We're kind of like the brain trust, you know? Like, we just do our little thing, and nobody thinks that much of us. But then, you know, like, highly important beat writers and players and coaches talk to us behind the scenes and ask our advice about things. And, you know... We don't need to brag about these kind of things. You know, it's no big deal. It's all just love of the game, baby. <laughs> all right. The final question that we have is... Oh, uh, God, what, there's what, more. After yeah, that there's one more. <laughs> it's, uh, what does the Blue Jays holding on to Vlad Jr. and the Miners say about the state of baseball? The fact that they're going to game his service time. Yeah, will we see a strike soon? And could and will that affect the Tigers? How do you feel about uh, the Blue Jays seem to have announced that they, you know... Uh, it's... How do you put it diplomatically that they're, Vlad they're Jr. gaming they the service? Time. I mean, more... that really is the most polite way to say. It. But I mean, I think all teams are kind of bad for this. I don't think it's out of the norm. I think it's annoying as hell in that for two reasons. I think it's super annoying in that I want to see Vlad Jr. play at a big league level. Everybody wants to see this. And he's obviously ready. Come on, just let us see the guy play. And the longer they hold him in the fucking minors, the longer it takes for Wander Franco to get up to the number one in a lot of these lists, which irritates me as a race writer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, damn. He, boy, he looks good. Oh, my That's God. That's a hell of a prospect. I'm so excited for Wander Franco. And he's up. Uh, he's a wee baseball baby. I know. He's going to be... He's going to be in the minors for a while still because he's literally a minor. I think he might actually. Yeah. 
well, he's, yeah, but... 18 or 19. Yeah. He and Willie Adamas, <laughs> or uh, not Willie Adamas, um, that was the earlier one. He and Wenzel Perez are, are the same age. And um, so, like, it'll be interesting seeing that vintage of, like, the next level of shortstop come up. But, man, yeah, well, Franco I mean, just looks like the absolute like, cream I mean, of the class. You got to look at the young ones, like your Acuna Juniors. Um, young guys come up all the time. And that's the other thing is you, you see these young guys come up. If the Braves can play that guy like Acuna Jr., why the hell can't the Blue Jays give me Vlad? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, of course, the funny thing is that the Braves did the same thing and gamed Acuna, too. They did. Um, they did. And yeah, it's so... annoying every time anybody does it. And I get why they're doing it. You want the most bang for your buck. But then you end up with issues like we have now with these guys all hitting the free agent market at certain ages because they've had their clocks gained. And... I'm so sick of this fucking off season. Pardon my friend. Adam, I think I that was your two. I think I <laughs> dropped my two F bombs. I waited until the end. Yeah, saved uh, it till deep in the podcast. I was pretty good this this time around. My apologies. Yeah, I mean, it's just that thing like you said, like other uh, everyone else has done it and so I can't particularly single out the Blue Jays for doing it. It just sucks, and it's gonna have to. And really, there's no way to address it other than the next collective bargaining agreement. And oh, um, it's gonna be a mess. Yeah, I mean that's shaping up to be kind of ugly. But I also think that well, my general take on on this is that yeah, things are headed in a bad, very bad direction. The top free agents are are, are gonna get kind of what they what we all expected them to get. But that that group of guys who hits free agency like normal when they're 28, 29, 30, 31, not only are those guys not getting the the amounts of money that they used to get, they're, the terms that they're getting are not for four or five years anymore. It's all one-year deals, maybe two years. And the problem is that it starts compounding on itself. And that's what we've really seen, I think, in particular this year is when you start seeing the same guys that hit free agency like a year ago or two years ago for no money are back again. And it just starts to create this clog where the teams who are looking for someone, all of a sudden they have double the options and they're all cheap, you know. Mm-hmm. That's like Brian Dozier, like getting picked up for a couple million dollars. You know, not a great player anymore, but still like a very solid veteran player. And there's just a host of those guys who are just going really cheap. And it's only going to get worse for that same reason because everybody who sees sign for the next couple weeks for, you know, one year, just one million, two million dollars. They're all going to be right back in the pool with everybody else next year. Um, so, yeah, it's just not going to get any better. Um, I hope things don't come to the point where a strike is needed. I do hope that the, the the owners kind of recognize that the only way to kind of get around that at this point is to kind of make all players super two eligible earlier. Yeah. Where, yeah. you know, where maybe like your, your second year, um, you know, you're arbitration eligible. So they gain your service time, fine. And then you play your first full, first full season, but then that second season comes up, and you're already able to go to arbitration, get a fair hearing, and make more than the league minimum. Um, and that something like that's going to have to be the way th- th- this starts. That's that's like the starting point. Um, I think I don't know because boy, the owners have acted, and and just the way Manfred has talked about it has been really um, kind of obtuse and disingenuous in in a lot of his comments about it. But I have to think that somewhere deep down they recognize that they're really trying to cash in. Like, this is really like a smash and grab kind of run the past year or two. And that's probably going to continue up until the CBA. And hopefully at that point they recognize that they've got to put the brakes on. Because baseball is making a hell of a lot of money. 
Um, players are making a hell of a lot of money compared to what they made in 1993 and 94. There's just a, a lot more at stake. And so I'm hopeful that they will work this out. And maybe, you know, to some degree, we're just seeing sort of a natural cycle over the past two years. It does kind of feel like you need to see, you know, maybe three or four years and then kind of look at it. Like overall, what's getting paid in free agency? You know, is it is it declining? Has it just stayed the same? Or maybe do the next two seasons kind of like start to rebuild some of that value? Um, yeah, we'll just kind of have to see. But um, yeah, right now it's not looking very good. <laughs> it's not looking great. Yeah, it's not a promising outlook at the moment, but you're right. I think two seasons, I was hoping it would be a one and done kind of, okay, this is a flukely weird off season and everything is back to normal. And this season we're getting it again. So I think you're right. One year two years is not necessarily a trend, but I, I think we're pretty close to seeing it become one. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you, you know, you just see like some of the commentary from some of the, you know, like the little bit that owners have had to say or GMs and what Manfred has to say, you know, I mean, they don't, they never say what they're thinking. Obviously they never come right out with anything, but it, it, boy, it, it really feels like they're, they're trying at least right now to kind of brush it aside and um, and we just see more and more players like getting very vocal on Twitter. Um, there was a long thread with, um, oh, damn it, Adam Wainwright, um, long time, you know, very highly respected starting pitcher for the Cardinals, won a couple World Series. You know, like when you see guys like that really weigh in and put together like a a twenty <laughs> a twenty tweet thread all about um, you know how they're feeling right now, you know mm-hmm. this is weighing on everybody's mind. So. Yeah, it's out there, and we will continue to cover it with some degree of irritation. But um, yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully things start to change because otherwise, yeah, we're kind of kind of heading toward a a real impasse. Yeah, it's going to get pretty ugly at the next CBA, I think. Yeah, I think so too. Um, Tony Clark did finally do the right thing and at least hire some fairly capable labor lawyers to handle negotiations, which is smart. So. Yeah, hopefully both sides kind of know they're in for a fight and do what they can to avoid it. Um, so that's about it um, for this week's show. Please head over to the website, blushyboys.com. Take a look out there. You can see my article about the remaining free agents. Um, Kyle Yost took a look at predicting the opening day roster. Um, Ashley covered a bunch of the news recently. Um, the Franklin Perez stomach issue, whatever's going on there. Yeah, we'll hopefully have updates for that soon. Yeah, hopefully that will not be a big problem. Um, And yeah, the prospect list is kind of starting to wind down. We had Bo Burrows at 7 yesterday, Kristen Stewart at 6 today. I will post um, Franklin Perez, who's our number 5 prospect, tomorrow. And then you'll see Matt Manning, Daz Cameron, Isaac Paredes, and Casey Mize all written up probably by the end of the week. So... Look forward to those things. Um, keep an eye out for Ashley's YouTube channel and follow her at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter. And any any kind of ETA, like sometime in the next week? Um, the preview post will probably go up in the next couple days. Uh, I won't be launching the actual channel until probably the second or third week in March, just because I'm going down to Florida next oh, week right. and into the first week of March. Um, so I don't want to start going with things until I can actually be a little bit ahead on the filming. Um, the first two episodes are done though. And then when I get back, I'm hoping to film four or so more and then get them out. Sweet. Okay. So it'll be, a Tuesday, thought, it'll be every Tuesday. Tuesday. If you want me to like embarrass myself demonstrating anything from pitching by video and then you can use that. Oh, to... I might get some, if I want some <laughs> pitching grips, I think that would be a great episode. Yeah, um, we can do something like that. yeah. And I, I, I literally, I'm way ahead of myself. I ordered, I think a bag of 12, 
baseballs the other day or something. I was so jealous that you had the excuse to order a whole bunch of baseball (laughs) equipment. That was when I really realized how genius this idea is. Like, I ordered. You're going to write off baseballs next year in your I am. I 100% am. Um, I ordered a bag of 12 baseballs and a Rosen bag. So, and I am this close to ordering the actual ball mud rub. Um, Oh, yeah, the Carolina. Yeah, the very specific. Um, and I, I'm going to order some, it's 25 bucks just for a small personal use container though, uh, which is not cheap. So I, I am going to have some for when I do my episode about the literal baseball. Uh, oh, what the hell is that called though? It's Lena Blackburn, Lena Blackburn right? yeah. Baseball mud. Baseball yeah. <laughs> mud. Um, and it is a very specific type of rubbing mud. And I want to get into the whole thing about like the process that they have to get through to get re- the balls ready for use and, and all, and what considers a dead ball. And, and then I'm going to take a whole ball apart. And that's my, that's the episode yeah. I'm most excited to do. Uh, I'm really stoked about that one. Yeah. yeah. So that'll be a lot of fun. Have you you haven't ordered a war stick bat yet? No, I keep thinking about I don't doing know that, that I can officially write off a war stick bat because it's not like I'm going to bloody t- expensive. Too. I'm not going to take a war stick bat apart. Um, I mean, I have an a, a cast off Louisville Slugger I bought at the Louisville Slugger factory that I could probably do something with, but I'd feel kind of guilty about it. Oh, well, you um, should cork it. <laughs> oh. We can talk about how to drill into it and cork it. No. Get some get someone with a nice drill to. But right. I think between it and the other Louisville Slugger bat I have, I can probably do a little bit of a thing on cup balancing at some point. So yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, cheat, cheating in baseball would make for a great couple episodes at some point along the way too. Yeah, I mean it's literally like I have I I picked up a couple of my books that I have on kind of like the general breakdown of baseball, and I think I I now have about. 150 episodes worth of content ready to go so it's gonna go for a long while as long as i can keep keep up a good schedule on it and that's kind of the thing right is to sort of um like when you start a youtube channel you need to like have a lot of content at first get a bunch of people to subscribe and kind of build it up in in bulk right like a bunch of time here and there that's that's the myth i really want to bust going into this i will not be making (laughs) any money on this for like oh, no, not, the first yeah. year, but like just to build up your subscribers. Yeah, though, based, yeah. Uh, YouTube bases everything on the hours of video watched, um, so it's it's a minimum subscriber number, I think, and also I think you have to hit something like eight thousand hours of watched video um, before you start making any money at all. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not anticipating this becoming some sort of money making venture on my part. Um, I am literally just doing this for love of the game. So if anybody... Oh, you know what? Mark Garage just just posted in our little Twitter chat like, oh yeah, I threw a little bit of money Ashley's way yeah, toward that sure YouTube did. thing too. We, it seems like we all tried to help out the it wonderfulness was, It was incredible. Ashley. So oh, many people cool. did. And uh, it is still going till the end of the month. So it's my pinned tweet still. So if you listen to this and want to throw, I am wildly in debt on my credit card now, thanks to some of the purchases I've had to make for it. Um, but the, so it goes when you're feeling very passionate about a project, and I'm really excited about this. So yeah, me too. Yep, really stoked to see what you come up with here. And yeah, the, the first couple episodes all sound like just like perfectly on point. So yeah, this sounds really really cool. And it's all me kind of feeling it out too, because it's very weird sitting in a room on your own with lights pointed at you and talking at a camera. Um, yeah, um, and I should probably make scripts because I. <laughs> so lost um <laughs> like, like you know what you're talking about until you have to say it to a camera and you're like wait what teams are in the nl west 
<laughs> right. Or you just catch yourself like, oh, am I a crazy person? Can I? Is it better if I like pretend I'm talking to one of my cats or dogs, or is it better yeah. if I don't? Well, then I drift <laughs> and I try to talk to the monitor, but it's just far enough off from the lens that it looks like I'm talking to someone off screen. So that, it, yeah, it's a whole debacle. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll see what yeah, happens. We'll see what It'll happens. be fun. Yeah, each of these little media steps are are kind of their own little thing. Like it took a while to get used to doing radio. I'm sure it was similar for you, just to like getting used to like the flow of listening and then talking and that like yeah, kind of blurring the blurring the lines and stuff. So yeah, there's always a learning curve, but yeah, super stoked to see what you come up with. So please follow Ashley at 90 Feet From Home on Twitter and be on the lookout for her YouTube channel, which we will announce profusely here on Twitter and on the site. And read our stuff at blessyboys.com. And we will be back, I think, next week to talk to you some more. And hopefully uh, good things will happen. Like Franklin Perez gets, you know, his tummy feels better. And he comes out throwing 95 and looking like a monster. That's what I want. That's what we all want. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. All right. We will see you all next week. Thanks a lot for joining us. Have a good night, Ashley. Good night.